There is a reason why girls are dropping out of sport at a higher rate than boys because there is no representation. There's no representation because girls don't get to play all sports. They don't think that they can be a quarterback after the 11, after age 11. So we are actually filling a gap. They call it white space in the pitch decks. We are filling, there is a white space right now that nobody is fulfilling because football is not made available to girls in junior high school, high school, and now it's made available in college. So the pipeline is asking to be filled. That's step one. And I'm just talking business now, the business plan. Um, so you don't have to let you, you like legislate that. Girls are playing flag and tackle football at a higher rate than boys in terms of the growth. So that's 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 real data. Um, if you look, Forbes just released the fastest growing viewership in television sport is women's sports. So the the idea that you have to legislate a market is 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 based on I think this this very predominantly male idea that people don't want to watch sports because you haven't pointed enough cameras and given enough dollars to you. So I understand that there's a formula, there's a risk formula, there's a risk formula in venture capitalism, there's a risk formula in media. Does this look like something I've done before? Does, how can I eliminate risk? So that's our job. Hi, I'm Chris Whiteout. Welcome to Living It, the podcast where we join experts in the experience of being human. Be bold, say yes to adventure, say yes to living it. Welcome to Chris Whiteout Living It, where we talk with experts in the experience of being human, those who've taken the risk to live fully and realize their dreams. Today, we have Odessa Jenkins, who is going by OJ. She is the founder and CEO of Women's National Football Conference, 15 plus years of coaching and playing experience in football, Hall of Fame running back, two-time national champion, and USA football team captain two-time gold medalist. She's also, because everyone is also working in addition to playing football, the president of M-Train, a revolutionary e-learning and analytics uh, company that does inclusion, ethics, respect, also while keeping it fun. One other thing, SI in their unrelenting issue had her as one of the most, 100 most influential women in sports. OJ, Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Chris, thank you. I got to take, I'm, I'm, we're just going to take you around with me and, and let you introduce me. Like, before I start, here's Chris. <laughs> I, I think we could do that. I, hey, it's all about teamwork, right? I'm about that life and I'll do it for you. So how about that? I think that sounds like a perfect trade. You know what's interesting? We were going to do this last week. And I did a bunch of uh, research last week and things didn't work out because that's the way life works sometimes. But then I went back and looked at some stuff this week and you guys have changed your website completely at the uh, at, at the women's uh, the women's uh, national football conference. It, it, is that by design? I mean, is this is this just coincidental? Because I looked at one thing and I went hold on, I don't think the NFL would do that. And I went to the NFL site and it was totally different. And then I went back this week and your site looked more like the NFL site. Can you talk me through some of what you guys were thinking? Because I have some thoughts on what was happening, which is which was really interesting to see it change this week. It's so funny you say that and that that, that was your reaction to it. So 
we um, have a lot of respect for what the NFL is, has done. They've been at it for a hundred years and billions of dollars. And it's a, uh, it is, it is the gold standard of, 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 of leagues in terms from a business perspective and brand perspective, but in no way are we trying to be the NFL or copy the NFL or paying attention to what they're doing on their website. Um, so I think that part was absolutely coincidental. Um, we are, we are raising funds. And so the, the, the change that on the website was actually just a focus on a page that has always been there. Um, it's a, it's a page about supporting women and supporting the business of sport. And we're kicking off a capital raise, our seed fund. So we really wanted our fans and, you know, it's unique cause we're a startup business. We're also a sports league, but we're a startup. Um, and so we behave more like a startup, like, hey, we're kicking off our seed round and we want to we want you to understand what that means. So that change in homepage um, that that's what you saw. And that's actually going to be flip flopping and happening all the time throughout the year um, as we continue to bring folks into this story of what we're doing, building this business. So it's funny that you say that um, strategically, we wanted to grab people in that way to say, well, whoa, OK, well. You know, in, in a lot of ways, they're telling a bunch of stories on their website. And in other ways, they're about business. So we wanted we wanted to try and connect those two. Well, which is interesting because when I looked last week, the thing that jumped out at me, you had 17 teams, 1,300 athletes, 6 million social media followers, 1.3 million VYRE total impressions, which, which to me is is sort of what you're talking about in terms of some of this startup stuff. Like we're legitimate. You might not know about us, but we are legitimate, which was the thing that made me go back and say, okay, I'm assuming, because I remember I was in a meeting one time with a former CMO of the NFL. And he said, we're about bottom line. Like anything we do is going to end up on the bottom line. And and this was with the leaders of all the other sports, you know, the NHL, the, you know, and everybody's kind of looking at, you know, worshiping at the feet of the NFL because it is a money-making venture. But yet you're not, you're, you're, you're talking about the validity. You're talking about the value of what you have but you also have to broadcast that value. So, so looking at that last week, then this week I go and, and it's about the teams. It's about the athletes. It's, it, it's about what you guys are, are doing. How do you fight that battle in some ways? Because you have, you're a nonprofit. Everybody else is doing another job. How do you fight that battle of figuring out how to get, recognized in a noisy space the first thing is we're we're a for-profit entity so we're not a non-profit oh you're not a non-profit okay sorry. no we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna generate over a half a million dollars in revenue this year um the difference is that we're gonna give it all back to our teams and so while we're not a non-profit we're here to grow the value of this business grow the value of the athlete and grow the value of the team. So we behave more like a B Corp, um, but we're, we're a corporation. Ultimately, we want to make money. Ultimately, we 
want our players to be paid. We want our teams to be owned by millionaires. We want we want to generate revenue for women in sports. We are no different um, than anyone who has started a major professional sports league with the intent to grow the game, but also to the intent to grow the business. And I think we fight that battle because you know, a lot of people think of women's sports when we jump out of the gate and we do these kind of things. And if we don't have the male gaze or we don't have a superstar who's kicking it off, then it's hard to find legitimacy. And people assume like we're not, they're not trying to make money. They just want to spread the word. They just want to be, you know, they, they just want to be a part of it and inclusion. It's like, no, we're business minded individuals. Um, all of us who started the WNFC are either entrepreneurs um, senior business women. Uh, we've, we've done well for ourselves and we want our at the athletes and women's football to do well for themselves. And for, from our perspective, they can't do well for themselves if we don't think about ourselves as a revenue generating our, 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 our entity, if our players don't think about themselves as brands. Um, so we are absolutely for profit. We want to make money. We want our players to make money. We want our teams to make money. Um, but it takes money to make money. And that for us, that's the position we're in. That's why we're raising capital. So we're just like any other startup in in sports, it's hard to think of it that way. Cause when you have a reach of eight, six to eight million, people are like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, of course you're making millions. Of course your players are making millions traveling from Washington, New York to play. It's like, no. Um, it takes it takes building a business to do that. And I think that's the unique story of the WNFC. Today, for the last three years, we've been doing it with, there's no big time influencer. There's no millions of dollars. We don't have a superstar rock star on our cap table. We're doing it like most other, um, you know, female fan founded startups um, where, you know, less than 2% of the capital comes to us. We just got to get it out the mud until it comes our way. Well, that's it. Obviously, I mean, I'm I have a sympathy for this being on the Paralympic side. Is that you know you're not you're not mainstream. You're not football, basketball, baseball, which drives. And then every four years we have we have the Olympics kind of thing, which take over, uh, or really every two years since it's summer and winter now. But the thing is, being on a peripheral sport, you. The question gets to be really hard in some ways, right? In terms of what's your what's your job? Your job is is to go out and train and play, or your job is to sell the sport. I mean, I look at like a uh, like a um, you know like a like a like a legion uh, uh, legion uh, by cy cycling team. You know Justin Williams, and and he in some ways has said we're we're a marketing entity. I mean we're we're a team, but we're we're selling. You know in some ways this is what reminded me looking at what you're looking at some of the stuff on the website and like these are the impressions that we have. We're, we're a marketing team. We can we can sell an image. We can sell an ethos that that can be beneficial. How do you look at your job or the job of the players? Is the job to play? Or is the job to promote and is the job to change in some ways, right? I mean, because you're talking about, and even I think the the mission changed uh, from last week to, to this week, if I'm correct, right? Because it used to be, exists to help women and girls reach their full potential through the power of football. 
And now what I was reading was the Women's National Football Conference is a major uh, women's American football league in the United States. We exist to create and foster an environment for female athletes to sustain healthy lifestyles through playing, coaching, and participating in American football at the highest level. So what do you consider to be the job for you and the people? Because I'd imagine it's a similar thing for all of you involved. What's your job? What's your what's your program? What are you going to do? It's everyone's job. I mean, I think that's why um, the WNFC is unique because what we ask of players, what we ask of teams is we ask them to be brands. We ask them, we are a marketing entity. We look at ourselves as a, a sports property. Um, that's what we are. It is our job to reflect that in every single way. And I think that that's what we've missed in some ways in women's football, not treating ourselves as a sports property that has to crawl, walk, run, sprint, fly. And me through learning startup businesses, I've learned those processes. And so us in the WNFC, every player signs a name, image, and likeness agreement. You agree that you're going to hold these standards of branding, of marketing. You're, you agree, and, and that's actually helped the players. Um, we've had a three, 300% increase in ambassador opportunities and name, image, and likeness opportunities from our players because of the standards we asked them to hold. What do you mean by those standards? That means, um, you know, how you conduct yourself on social media. It means aligning with the brands that we align with. If they're, you know, we have a, we have a, a an on-field um, apparel uh, agreement with with Adidas. So when you're on the field, you shouldn't be in another brand. Um, we have a helmet and and, and um, equipment a, a deal with Riddell. Dick Sporting's Goods is our national sports retailer. And so aligning with our sponsors and telling your story in a way that helps amplify that actually helps promote the player. And what we've seen is we're right. When Players position, you know, if if your profession is one that doesn't position you well as a professional women's tackle football player, then you need another social media account. You need your professional, you know, player account. Those are the things that we've asked these players to do. And some of them who believe in our strategy is building a sports property align. And some of them don't. The ones who align play here and the ones who don't. I've been very um prideful as well as honor to see that most of the best players in the world have decided to take on that challenge and play here um and so that's been the job of the team that's the job of the owners and that's the job of the WNFC um we all have the same job until players start getting paid and until this league is funded that can be a dilemma can it i mean the idea of i mean social media in some ways aligning with your sponsors aligning with your league all, all sounds great but you also need to be compelling you need to be interesting you need to be potentially on that edge on that razor's edge to to be exciting you know which can be controversial right so so sometimes there's the dilemma of you went too far in an order in order to try to gain some recognition but also your brand in building your brand then 
Are you spending your time building your brand? Are you spending your time practicing the dilemma with the with the coaches? I have a buddy who's in the music industry and he's like, I'm so they don't they don't have to do that. Women's tackle football players are some of the most exciting people in the world. They they don't have to try to be entertaining. They, we don't have to coach them on which part of their stories to tell and not tell. A woman who plays tackle football is one of the most interesting, exciting people in the world. Her story is is by default interesting because she works two jobs. Um, so once she she's getting paid for in 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 just the glory of the game, and so. I don't think at all there is, uh, we don't lean too heavy on the branding side. We absolutely encourage them to tell their full story, be them their full step selves. You know, the idea that your mom is gonna drop you off at, at daycare and then gonna knock some heads around as a Mike linebacker. The idea that you're gonna go teach a, a class at MIT and then be a defensive star. You know, th these are the stories of the women of the WNFC. So I, I think, there is th that balance is struck naturally on its own. The thing we have to govern is to your point, um, you are part of a brand. You are a brand. Whether you're, you know, Olympians might not be getting a paid a salary, um, but in order to be attractive to sponsors, you have to tell your story. You have to tell your story in a way that aligns and that is attractive for sponsors. We aren't in a position where we can just say anything and do anything if you want someone to put money behind it. And that's the reality of being a sports brand and being a property. I'd imagine as you're saying this, that it also ends up being more empowering for the individual athletes to be part of this group. I mean, Promoting yourself sometimes can be a difficult thing, but promoting yourself as part of a greater collective and greater movement seems like it's something that becomes a bit of a no-brainer. Is that true? It's a movement, Chris. Like, we don't, um, it's like you don't have to school someone on going to talk and move and behave in line with their passion. There are women who are playing this sport who have seen it happen for decades that have never seen anyone show up for them. And now sponsors, media, people like you are showing up and asking about it. They stay ready. They didn't have to get ready. So this, this, this concept, this, this, this idea of it being hard is there's, there's no hard here. The hardest part is they're not getting paid. The hardest part is they're not making a living wage to do it yet. And they even accept that. Most of them know that they're doing this for someone else, which is hard to comprehend. What does I'm that mean? I'm building a startup that make that, that, so so ideally, you know, if if we're a team of uh, we're a league of 17 teams, we're eight times the size of the WNBA. We have just as many players um as as almost some of the largest leagues on the planet. Right. The idea that we're going to be able to pay them a living wage is going to take nine figures. Right. And so that kind of growth in a startup business might happen in, in the next five to 10 years, might happen in the next 10 to 15 years. Most players in our league are going to play five and a half to seven and a half years average, which is considerably more than the NFL, though, which we play way longer than the NFL. Right. We play less games. We have a six game regular season, um, a three game playoff. And, and and so we play less games. It's less, it's less hindrance on our body. But I say all that to say that if 
on average, a startup takes five and a half years to get funded. And it takes, and, and, and on average, you're playing five and a half years. There's a likelihood that you're going to be done playing before this thing's funded. Yet and still, they put everything they have into it. And so do I. And they do that. I mean, this is this is the glass ceiling aspect, though, right? That you're talking about that that it's for that next generation. It's for the person who's who's coming behind you to break this glass ceiling. But what what is that glass ceiling? Because you're talking about, I mean, you're talking about women, right? You're talking about uh, you're talking about minorities. You know, making up sixty five percent of the of the population of the league. You're talking about, um, you know, a, a sexual preference kind of uh, uh, sexual orientation, not preference, sexual orientation being being a component. What is the what is the glass ceiling? And I guess in 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 asking that, what I'm also asking is, whose permission do you need to be successful? We don't need it. You almost made me cuss, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> You almost made me cuss. I almost cussed. Uh, You're allowed to if you we want to. We don't need anyone's permission. You just need okay. dollars. You need dollars. Yeah, I think I think so. Per permission is for 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 the old gang. We don't. We're rebels. We're pioneers. Um, we were born in the age of information. Um, we don't. We don't. We don't. No one thinks our uterus is gonna fall out if we take six steps. Like we're past that. Um, if the rest of the world isn't past it, we'll get them there, right? So we're complete, we're complete rebels when it comes to permission. We don't ask permission. We're gonna do it no matter what. So I think what but you need, need the dollars still. You need you need to get paid. Right. We need to get paid. And so, so you need I permission on that. I mean, that's a tacit permission, right? Of like, we see your value and we're willing to contribute money to what you're doing. No, that's permission is different. I think we need education. Right. Okay. I mean, what the mean idea because the permission is already there. Women represent over 60 percent of the football buying audience today. Women make up 70 percent of the household decisions in the room. The world by 2025 is going to be more diverse. It's going to be more out people of color than ever in the history of the world in the next three years. So there's no permission. This is being done. And so people who look like us buy what we sell, represent what we represent, are becoming more of the world. So if brands don't understand that and don't get into it, they're going to be left behind. We're going to still be here. Um, so I think the idea of permission, no. Education, yes. Do we fulfill the need that the world is asking for? And our answer to that is absolutely yes. The world loves football. The world loves women. The world loves growth and inclusion and diversity. The world understand that there's value in something that's new and that's different. This story, everybody's looking to tell a story that's never been told over and over again. The reason that football stars are the stars of the world is because they have stories behind those helmets. The idea that women have stories behind their helmets, that you can't understand that, isn't a permission-based thing. It is an education-based thing. So our responsibility is to educate. I'm, I just want to direct you to the pot of gold. I don't, need to, I don't need to tell you that it's a pot of gold, and you don't need my permission to understand it's a pot of gold. I just need to educate you. So that's what I see the role of us the role of women in sports, those days of permission are gone. Some people are going to get it and some people aren't. 
but the world is too big. You know, I think it's like trillion dollars in funding or something like that went out last year. Um, and, and the amount of money, the amount of eyeballs, the amount of businesses um, that are coming into the world that understand that the, 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 the age of information means that people want to see all of the world and we represent all of the world. You represent all the world. You have to, you have to find a way to reach all of the world, which is, which is part of the challenge. You're talking about five to five and a half years for, for a startup. Uh, what, what are, cause obviously you have to have intermediate steps, right? What, what are the intermediate steps? How do you, how do you get there? How do you get the, because, because it's a clamoring, right? I mean, we're talking about, I mean, it's kind of interesting what you're talking about in terms of there's, there's this, this, this trillion dollar or $7 trillion uh, pot of gold that's out there. Right. But at the same time, it's a matter of finding finding your way into into that part that pot that pot because you have to have like like equality sometimes and we hear so much of it where it's like okay we want equality and we we hear it being mandated we hear it being legislated we hear it you know so, so these to me and sometimes I mean one of my big deals is I don't want to make anybody wrong. I don't want to tell you, OJ, this is what you have to do, or the public, this is what you have to do. You're talking about something that's different than going through the legislation, than going through the mandate part of it. How? What are those steps? Yeah, so I'll just tell you what the plan is, because all I have is data. Like, I'm data-oriented, right? So our plan is based on the fact that there is a market, the market that already exists. We don't have to create one. The market of the sports fan, of the girl. There is a reason why girls are dropping out of sport at a higher rate than boys, because there is no representation. There's no representation because girls don't get to play all sports. They don't think that they can be a quarterback after the 11, after age 11. So we are actually filling a gap. They call it white space in the pitch decks. We are filling, there is a white space right now that nobody is fulfilling because football is not made available to girls in junior high school, high school, and now it's made available in college. So the pipeline is asking to be filled. That's step one. And I'm just talking business now, the business plan. Um, so you don't have to let you, you like legislate that girls are playing flag and tackle football at a higher rate than boys in terms of the growth. So that's 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 real data. Um, if you look, Forbes just released the fastest growing viewership in television sport is women's sports. So the the idea that you have to legislate a market is 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 based on I think this this very predominantly male idea that people don't want to watch sports because you haven't pointed enough cameras and given enough dollars to it. So I understand that there is a formula, there's a risk formula, there's a risk formula in venture capitalism, there's a risk formula in media. Does this look like something I've done before? Does How can I eliminate risk? So that's our job, is how can we eliminate risk? We show up with the data that we have. We show up with 110% growth. If we show up with the core demographic that matches a core demographic that you're already going after, we don't have to sell you on that. We show up with the idea that we have a revenue model that looks like something you've seen before. Those, that's, that's our plan. That's how we align. We don't try to go against the grain. We don't try to piss anyone off with the idea that we're going to make you have equality. 
We just want equity. We don't want equality. Just want equity. Um, give us what you're not talking about equity though i mean you're talking about what you've earned right i mean what you've earned based on on what your numbers are really yeah yeah so equality is let's put everybody at the same level hey let's pay the quarterback uh let's play britney bushman the same that we're gonna um uh pay um the top quarterback in in the nfl right that's equality that doesn't make sense right Equity is what makes sense. Let's give Brittany Bushman, the top quarterback in the world as, as a woman, the same opportunities that we've given everyone else. Let's give her the same opportunity to go express her brand, make money, and be successful in her own brand. Let's do those things. And in order to do those things, we have to eliminate risk. So that's our plan. Our plan is to eliminate risk and align ourselves with the room because just like a uh, Football is uh, Joe's and Smo's and Jane's and Jim's. Um, it's about who you know, not what you know. Uh, this is entertainment. I'd love to call it something else, but women's sports is entertainment. I've gotten further in this business through who I know than what I know. Well, I mean, entertainment If in the NFL is entertainment too. I mean, this is, I mean, you, you want to look at it differently. It's like, no, you're on TV to entertain. This is the way it works. People are tuning in for exactly that kind of entertainment. You did mention a while back that your your uteruses aren't going to fall out, but safety is an issue within football in general. I mean, just head injuries. Like when I was growing up, concussions were a thing, but we didn't know anything about it. We didn't know the long-term long part of that. I mean, you are, you are embracing your community of players. Have you done anything more on the safety side of players? Are you more proactive? Yeah, so I think that, and then that's one of the reasons why we why we would love to get funding. We do have a safety committee um, that's all volunteer. Um, shout out to Thomas Heward, who's a amazing um, um, safety expert that does a lot of work with the University of, of Texas. Um, and then we also, our standards from a league standpoint, in terms of the personnel that you're required to have on the field, um, we've, we've, we've sort of stepped our game up in terms of ensuring that there's medical personnel, professionals, concussion, concussion protocols on the sideline. This year, um, you know, we've, we've um, added a coaching expert, Stephanie Belachko, who's got you know, NFL level, USA football level uh, coaching experience to have a standing for a standard for concussion protocol and safety protocol for every coach in the league. So those are things that we're doing that that, that sort of no other league in, in women's football has been able to do. Um, but we're doing everything we can with the amount of funding that's available to us. Um, but absolutely, yes, we 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 know that that head trauma is a real thing in our sport. Um, and we take it seriously and we take play players safety seriously. Um, our concussion protocols and evaluations are very similar to any other um, professional league. And we've done that at the detriment sometimes e even of growing our brand. Um, but I wouldn't say, and I know the focus on head safety, you know, has been significant for us, which is why we picked the, the best highest rated equipment in the league as well. I mean, in the world as well. I think our relationship with Riddell shows that. Um, they aren't the cheapest provider in the league, but they are the best. And I think having our women in the best is another way that we do that. The last piece of it is 
you know, we choose a we choose a contact sport. That is that is the choice that we make. Um, and we know that there's risk in that, but we know that there's also glory in that. I think you think the same when you decide to go do a backflip on a beam. Um, and you think about, you know, what are, you know, you put your seven-year-old on a beam and that is a contact sport. And I think football and the head safety has been sensationalized a bit um, because I have that same nervousness about my niece uh, who's in gymnastics. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, this is, I mean, we're talking about differentiators in some ways, which is the reason why I asked the question is that your community is so important to you because this is, this this is the future of your sport, but it's also the the future of your movement. And it's not like you have disposable people that are coming through, that are passing through, that you take your time. This is, you are making a huge connection. Can I talk a little bit just, just about you in some ways? I mean, one of the things that's been so interesting just in this conversation is that one, I mean, Hall of Fame athlete. Hall of Fame running back, which is which is often like the toughest position on the field, right? I mean, we the 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 other OJ used to say that you know you've got to be able to kick everyone's ass on the field, kind of thing. And you look at it and go, wow, those are like some three hundred pound guys you're talking about, kind of thing. So toughest person on the field, kind of thing. But then the other part of it is you can move from the sports side to the data side to the business side to the media side. Have you always been able to do that? And I know a little bit about your history. I mean, like growing up in Watts and then going to Cal Poly. I mean, going to a place, you're the kind of person who lights up a room wherever you go. But have you always been able to light up a room? Have you, have you, because some of, some of this thing is talking about being an outsider. I mean, being, being, you're not the NFL, you're not mainstream, but there's something about being an outsider that's great. Have you always been able to sort of find your balance within a variety of different arenas? Always. The world doesn't, you know, my, 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 my family is our family of believers and my mother and my father always said the world, the world didn't give you joy, so it can't take it away. And so this idea of the categories that people put you in, you know, you're an insider, you're an outsider, you're an influencer, you're not an influencer, you have, so you act like you have, you don't have, so you act like you don't have, that will never, that was never the case for me. And I think I've been able to always sort of shed light and be a bright light in the rooms that I walk in because I got some charisma, you know, I think that that was born a little, with a little bit. bit of that, but I, <laughs> but I also think just um, early on, you know, I'd never was, was regulated or re regulated to what people thought about me. Like I never really aligned myself to, to be in a room and act like the people in the room. I, I think, um, I've always been sort of cool because I just always been cool with me. And I think that that's a lesson that you learn. And I, I wish a lot more people would learn. Frankly, I wish a lot more women would learn um, because I think a lot we get um, pushed into the ideal of what you're supposed to be, whether it be feminism or whether it be, you know, being next in line or how we speak or when we speak um, that limits us. And I think that for me, that is never that has never limited me and it never will. I don't I don't 
I don't define my success on what people think of me in a room. It just has, that has just never been the case for me. Um, but again, I think it's based on my joy is eternal. It's internal and um, who I am is eternal to me and personal to me. And um, I think that's that's been able to help me drive. It's, I mean, what you've said there is really amazing, I think, because a lot of people are in the position where they feel like they want people to see them the way that they want to be seen. But you're talking about it's not it, it, it's not that complicated an equation. What you're talking about is you see yourself the way you see yourself and you show up as yourself. Correct. Is that anything that you can teach to other people, that sense of being comfortable with who you are and knowing what your voice is? Because a lot of people are trying to develop their voice, to try to find their voice, to find what they mean. In some ways, it sounds like you're talking about being a, a fully constructed uh, entity from, you know, from birth kind of thing. Like you, you came in running a hundred miles an hour kind of thing, but is that something that you can teach somebody to, to be comfortable, to be able to, is it perspective? What is it? Yeah, it is. It is absolutely perspective. And I teach it every single day. It's, you know, if I have a, if I have a superpower, it's definitely not like extended research. <laughs> it's uh it's uh it's it's probably it's my ability to affect people and and mainly to get them look at themselves and appreciate and and have some perspective about themselves that's my superpower i'm a coach um and so absolutely i do it every single day every person that's in my network that's in my world that i connect to the teams i coach the individuals i coach both in business and in sport um this is what i give them i give them that um, I coach them to to find out what their center is, what really guides them, what what is their eternal joy, and and not let the trauma of the world, not let the expectations of the world knock them and rock them from that. Um, I think you can take in information that makes you a better you. I am still evolving um, and have been evolving since birth. But the one thing that has never really changed about me is I'm not afraid to make mistakes. And I don't really, again, I don't, I don't really think that the world owns my success, at least how I think about it. Um, now the world can define how much money I make and how much revenue my companies drive and whether or not they think I'm an expert or not or good or bad at a certain thing, but the world can't define how I feel about me. And I think that's, that is the gift that I, I hope to continue to give to everyone that walks into a room or gets on a Zoom with me. It's like, world can't give you that. It never could. So if you're searching for that, you know, you're you're in a lost cause, lost search. What's the transformation that you see? Because you're talking about being a coach, the transformation that you see in your athletes. Because I mean, some of these athletes are are ridiculously successful in their professional lives as well. But is this the thing that they do that differentiates them as successful people? What's that transformation like? That is the secret sauce. So you're giving away my secrets now. So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to edit this later. No, but um, we want to tell everybody your secrets. We want to get everybody excited about this. Um, but 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 really, it's I think coaching people and coaching yourself is is 
is as simple as you walk into a thing, a goal, a team, an entity, um, and you 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 have all the things that everyone has: shared goals, mission, vision, values, all these things. But I think the work that you can do um, to to guide yourself is the most important part. And so when I am dealing with an athlete in particular, you know, I have a team that's never lost a game. And I think the reason that we haven't is because the women who have been on our team have become better athletes. Yes, we're good football coaches, but more importantly, they've evolved as women. Um, they've gone from wanting to start their education to graduating law school. They've gone from wanting to move from one career to another to managing in the career that they wanted to move to. They've gone from wanting to be to better relationships to being married and having children. And I think that transition of your full self of, again, not being so worried about what the world thinks of you and getting eternal confidence um, and being okay with self uh, is important as specifically for women. Um, this is why I like coaching women. This is why I have, a, I think, a predisposition to pour into women because I don't think that there's enough of this in her life or their, their life, he, uh, whatever pronouns they use. Um, and so I think that is the secret sauce for coaching coaching women. It is to pour into them in a way that allows them to shed the expectation of the world and be more secure and confident in themselves. And in a lot of ways that unlocks the beast, uh, the, the basketball beast, the football beast, the, um, the business beast, the mom beast, the aunt beast. I think in a lot of ways, if, uh, if I am nothing, I am, I am a demonstration of how to get out your own way. Shedding the expectation of the world. I mean, that's something that's different because as I was, as you first started answering the question, I was thinking that it was more about, you know, the expect, the education of sport. I mean, which, which I firmly believe in that there's a huge education in sport, but shedding the expectation of the world. One of the biggest difficulties for professional athletes, for Olympic athletes, for Paralympic athletes is the moment when you stop being an athlete. I mean, maybe you never stop being an athlete and we can discuss that. And really, I think that that's probably true. But when you stop that as your primary focus, what is the transition like for your athletes from being football players to being whatever they are fully realized next? Just as hard. Just, Just as, as hard. hard. Okay. Because when you... Just as hard. Yeah. No, like I don't think I don't think we've got that all figured out. Um, I think I was thinking are, with the shedding the expectation. I was like, oh, if you're shedding no, the expectation, you know, like maybe you guys have this another secret sauce here. Yeah, no, I think we've I think we have it probably more than others have it, but I wouldn't be authentic if I didn't tell you it wasn't just as hard. Um now I think that we probably are more successful with it because it's you versus you, right? That's what we talk about all the time. Um, it's it's you versus you and 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 most of the struggle and expectation that you have as an athlete, as a coach, as an individual is about is within first. Um, we are making up most of the stuff that we think is with us and other people and us and other teams and us and coaches. Most of that is 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 internal. Um and so 
once you are able, if you are able to master that, the transition is actually quite easy because you never lose self, you never lose your why. If you don't master that, it's still hard. And I think mastering that is the secret sauce, but I'd be completely lying to you if I tell you, told you everybody's mastered that by the time they leave my program. Um, I wish they did. And I think that they, they it would be an easier transition if, if they did, um, but, but we ain't got it all figured out. Did you know that you were going to go into coaching when you retired from being a, a an athlete? Oh yeah. I was, I was a player coach as a, I was, I was coaching before I stopped playing. Um, so I became a head coach while I was still playing. I played my last two seasons and was the head coach. So I, I, um, I've been a coach. I started coaching when I was 21 in college and started coaching the, um, the, the, the women at Cal Poly that I played with the year before. So I'd always been positioned, um, as the player coach who, who evolved into coaching. Um, that is always, that has always been my responsibility to be the coach in the room. And I walk into it, um, proudly. Can we talk a little bit about, about the labels? I do a school presentation called name tags and helps uh, students get beyond the labels the limitations that we put on ourselves and others, but but some of the labels can be can be empowering, can be in, in some ways. I mean, you know, they, I, I've read a bunch about you, and they, they often say, you know, an openly gay black woman, you know, and it's like, okay, there are a lot of labels right there. What do you take from that? Because in in being stated as such, you represent a lot of people who might not necessarily have a voice who might not have as prominent a voice and a, as articulate a voice as you have. How do you look at these labels with regard to yourself and with regard to the movement as a whole? Yeah. So I, the lab, labels are sometimes important, right? I think that they help to define what you're trying to represent and what you're going after. So I don't completely, I'm not one of those, no labels, uh, you can't define me kind of humans. Um, I'm okay with being defined every now and then. So how I look at the labels that have been placed upon me for the most part, I accept most of them. You know, I love my wife and I have an orientation uh, towards uh, women. So yes, I'm queer and that's, it's okay to call me that. Whatever the world has defined that, that's what I am. Uh, and I'm okay with that. I was married to a man in college. What does that make me? Do we need to shrink me to decide what my sexual, how how far on the, the spectrum I, I, I swing? Like there's so many things. I, I don't let that bother me. I'm, I am I am a proudly queer woman um, who knows that I don't fit into the world's idea of gay or straight. Like I know I know that I, I am receiving of that. Um, so and I think that's okay because because I also represent other women and men who probably think the same way and identify themselves the same way and are looking for someone who is who says it's okay. And I, 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 I received that responsibility. So that's, that's cool with me. I am a proudly, you know, I'm a proud black woman with black girl magic. So yes, I received that label too. I walk in, I walk into every room as that. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind those, those, those labels. Again, if you ask me how I define me, if I'm talking to me, um, you know, I'm, I'm Lola's youngest child. Um, I am an empowered human uh, who who is a really blessed 
connector. I have the ability to connect and inspire others. And my why is rooted uh, in, in that. Um, I don't, um, I like to fight for others. Um, I like, I like being heroic, like that's who I am. So those, those other labels are important because I am of the world. I want to be in the culture. I don't want, I don't want to be out the culture. I'm cool. I'm cool being here. Um, I want to change it some, but I'm cool being here and, and fighting the fight. I don't want to fight the fight outside. I want to fight the fight right here. Right. And, and the thing is the labels are, are just a part of who you are. They're not a limitation of who you are it's just it's just part of like hey this is this is who we are you know we're we're not traveling around here as anonymous kind of entities this is part of who i am yeah and it's it's like um if you make decisions based on those labels um that's up to you right like i think i let the i let i let the world define how they make decisions based on those labels. For me, it's on. It's up to me to show up as my full self and make you forget any decision that you were about to make. And that's why I always, that's why you really changed my tune on changing the world. Like I wanna change rooms. I wanna change individual rooms. I wanna change big rooms, any room that I'm in. Because when I'm in there and and you're, and you're engaging with me, you know, the, the hope is that you see full me. And um, and maybe see yourself in me a little bit. Yeah, no, I feel like I agree with that. It's uh, I've often said I want to I want to spread doubt in that I want people to doubt those preconceptions, doubt what they thought they knew, so they see you for the first time. And I can't see how people don't see you for the first time. OJ, we got to get you out of here. So I know we could talk for a lot longer, but uh, but thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate. All your time, I appreciate all we, all all you're doing, and look forward to seeing the growth of women's tackle football. Yes, women's football, let's do it. I appreciate you, Chris. Thank you. This has been amazing. Um, anything you need from me, you got it. We're family. We all are right. family. Thanks so much. Thanks to all of you. Appreciate you tuning in. The greatest thing you can do for us is to tell your friends. Tell your friends that you love this and that they have to tune in. Uh, like us follow us. We are going to continue to bring you awesome content, awesome people, and a way for you to grow and learn. So thank you so much. And we'll look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Chris Waddell Living It for more stories on the adaptive community, the Paralympics, artists, athletes, entrepreneurs, experts in the experience of being human. Also follow us on Spotify, Apple, Facebook, and Instagram. I look forward to seeing you next week.